0: guys welcome to another episode of beyond the blinds it is me Troy McKeady and Kelly Williams and this week's episode is going to be I I think we should just do a trigger warning like from the very start
1: yeah absolutely
0: like a a second can't go by without us warning you that this is going to be probably our darkest episode of the whole of this entire podcast um but the interesting thing about this episode is that uh, most of it, we're normally, we're alleging a lot of stuff and reading blind items that are gossip. None of this stuff is really gossip. I'm mostly just reading arrests and and police stings and court documents and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah, this episode, originally, we wanted to do the Leonardo DiCaprio part two, because a lot of people have been asking about it and i mentioned it to troy and this is troy's episode i am not you know i am just sitting back and if i have to read something i will <laughs> but troy did all this research put the puzzle pieces together so i have to give this one up to you troy
0: well thanks yeah i'm uh, i'm excited i'm not ex- i don't know if excited is the word i would use but i am um i guess i'm excited for people to know these people's names
1: yeah and i almost feel like maybe eventually this could be a public episode because i don't want to use the word groundbreaking but i feel like it's a groundbreaking episode
0: it's a big deal if this is this episode going to be a big deal um and like kelly said i know that this was like intended to be just like a big leo blinds episode but you can't really talk about leo's childhood without talking about this list of people and you can't talk about any 80s child star really without talking about this list of people So this episode at this point is like much bigger than Leo. I don't know what we're going to title it, but like this is way bigger than just Leonardo DiCaprio at this point.
1: And again, as you guys can imagine, we are talking about young actors. So the trigger warnings are there. Um, It's, it's very dark. And Mm -hmm. this is one of those episodes where you're like, I'm going to need to shower immediately after.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I did pull some blinds. So I will say that, you know, from this point on, um, some of the things that we're going to be saying are alleged. And then some of them, like I said, are just court documents and arrest, uh, arrest documents and, and, and direct quotes from people. So, um, yeah, we're basically going to be going down a list of names of people who were either directly involved in Leonardo DiCaprio's life as a kid or passively involved in his life. Um, but Leo, unfortunately, and this is, like, the same for so many 80s child stars, like, was surrounded by predators. His manager was a sex offender. His publicist was a sex offender. uh, His photographer was a sex offender. Like, he was thrown to the wolves as a kid.
1: Now, do you know if his parents were super involved or were they kind of hands off?
0: Okay, so the thing about Leo and his parents is I looked this up today um, because I was reading a lot of accounts from people saying like he basically was thrown to the wolves and his parents weren't there for him. Mm -hmm. But of course, Leo has one of those classic and you know, just from like child star stuff and boy band stuff like, you know, child stars always say like I wasn't pushed and I wanted to do this and I couldn't stop singing into my brush or whatever, like all of that bullshit. Um, he claims that his parents were just like so devoted to his dream, but from what I gather, his dad left when he was really young okay. and his mom basically let people raise him in the industry. So he was like, just out there doing whatever he wanted.
1: Okay. Okay. Cause I know his mom has gone to like the Oscars with him and, and all that stuff. So I wasn't sure. Yeah. But, but okay.
0: Yeah. Um, our story starts off with, in Leo's case, with Growing Pains, and the crazy thing about these fucking 80s TV shows, like, people look back at 80s child stars, and they have such a, you know, it's like, oh, they're all so messed up and crazy, and they all had eating disorders, and drug problems, and blah, 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 and it's because the 80s, the entertainment industry in the 80s was a fucking cesspool, because it was pre-internet, You had a a bunch of shows on TV that required a lot of kids, like more than, you know, the previous years. Shows like Eight is Enough and Growing Pains, just like shows centered around families. And you had an influx of these stage parents that were like so eager to sell their kids away to these people. So there was a lot of abuse happening and it was so easy for them to cover it up in the 80s. And like, Just that specific time period. I know, obviously, Hollywood's been dark forever. But the 80s just seems particularly seedy to me. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's because all the shows on TV were so, like, cutesy and fake.
1: Yeah, I get that. That's fair.
0: Um, And like I said, Leo, so he started off on Growing Pains. That was his first, like, big thing. And Growing Pains, notoriously, is a show that was just riddled with, like, child abuse. Um, A lot of people have come forward and talked about it. There's been some um, suicides on that show that we'll talk about. So the first person that I want to bring up is somebody named Stephen Marshall. And Stephen Marshall was a producer for Growing Pains and a writer. He also worked on Just the Ten of Us, another show with a million children, Off the Rack, Gloria, and WKRP in Cincinnati. And this first blind item is uh, about him and also some other people that we'll talk about. Actually, no, I think this one is just about Steven. This is from 2018, and it was the anniversary of this blind reveal. It says, about three decades ago, he was the producer of of a very hit network TV show. He left the business in in his early 50s at the height of his success. About a decade ago, he was found with a large stash of particularly horrific child porn and sent to prison. If you read an arrest report from the feds online, he expressed a clear interest in having sex with a very young boy. When busted by an undercover officer in the online chat room, the last two TV series he was involved with featured many children. Considering all of this, why did he retire from Hollywood at that age, at the height of his success? Who knows what he may have gotten away with while around all those, children, those child actors in Hollywood for decades? If there's anything to be exposed, you know the sorts of people to contact. And that was in reference to him working on Growing Pains and uh, Just the Ten of Us.
1: Now, didn't the youngest boy from Growing Pains come out and talk about the fact he was abused and ended up having addiction issues because of his abuse? Am I thinking of the right story?
0: No, there has been. Honestly, it's all of those shows. Yeah, yeah. It's all of them. Like when I was going through all of the most popular shows from that time period on every network, every single one of them had people come forward. Like I said, young girls saying that they were sexually abused or were um, forced into like crazy eating disorders, like so many eating disorders.
1: Yeah. One of the girls from the Partridge family, she, her diet was carrots and her skin actually started to turn orange because she would only eat carrots.
0: Dude. The '80s was a fucking train wreck, and all the shows are like, <laughs> like it's so like ridiculous. Um, but there's a really interesting Kirk Cameron interview about Stephen Marshall, where from when Kirk was like maybe in his like early to mid 20s, and um, he refers to Stephen as a pornographer during this interview. Wow. And people made fun of him. And of course, because Stephen Marshall was so powerful, he like, you know, was able to like turn it around and like make it not a big deal. But like Kirk Cameron literally straight up said, the men who work on that production are pornographers. That was the word that he used. Wow. Um, and of course it's Kirk Cameron. So you can chalk it up to him being uptight and annoying and you know conservative and they spun the story that like Kirk's Christian um, upbringing was like interfering with the set and making people not get along with him because he didn't want to shoot porn and then according to Stephen Marshall he decided to retire from the entertainment industry because of annoyances like Kirk Cameron that's the excuse that this man came up with and that's all he had to say and everybody was like okay at the height of his career, making tons of money, several shows that are like hits, like this man is hugely successful and he bows out of Hollywood. When really, of course, the reason that he bowed out is because there's so many people that he was probably afraid would come forward and like tell on him, you know? Yeah. Um, but he's like super nonchalant about it in the interview that I saw where he's like, ah, oh, yeah. You know, kids like Kirk Cameron, they drive your nuts long enough, you want to retire and go play golf and blah, 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 blah. So he blames Kirk Cameron for leaving Hollywood, basically, which is like absurd. Um, so this is his arrest article from the Daily Mail. It says, an executive producer from the 1980s sitcom Growing Pains has been sentenced to seven and a half years in prison for distribution of child pornography. Stephen Marshall was arrested last April 15th on charges of distribution and possession of child porn. Marshall pled guilty to distribution and the possession charges were dropped. Authorities say he engaged in sending and receiving child porn and participated in online chats detailing child abduction, bondage, rape, and murder. (sighs) The U.S. District Judge J. Leon Holmes said Tuesday that Marshall's sentence exceeded the five year minimum for distribution because of the nature of the pictures and language used in the chats. This is a man who worked directly with Leo as a kid, producing a show that this kid is on with no adult supervision. And he's in chat rooms talking about murdering kids and raping them.
1: There's nothing I can say other than like, holy fuck
0: i know <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of that yeah i also just want to say too before we get super deep into this again these people have been arrested so this is not like some fucking because i know like i can already hear the comments of like this being like some QAnon conspiracy theory shit these are people that are convicted child sex offenders you can look them up online their photos are on google you can find their court documents like they've been arrested a bunch of times I just want to make that clear before we get too deep into it. It's a lot. I know. It's a lot. But
1: I feel like this is important to talk about. You know, when we started this podcast, we did say we want to expose people. We don't want to just be another podcast where, you know, we'll talk about TMZ articles or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah. If we're going to do this, we might as well do it and like have some sort of purpose behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the court document that I'm going to read. Again, trigger warning. So it says, on January 19th, 2009, an undercover detective with the Kirksville Regional Computer Crimes Unit was posing as an adult male in a guilty group's chat room. The UCD was approached by, quote, Papa7193 through an internet message service who asked the UCD if he liked to trade pictures, stating that he had pictures of boys and girls Papa then sent the UCD images of child pornography. The UCD sent images of his profile and a non pornographic image of a young teen boy. Papa said that the boy was a little old, but was interested in having sex with him anyway. On subsequent days in March of 2009, Papa engaged in chats with the UCD, sending him images of child porn and scolding the UCD for not returning the favor. Papa also sent a picture of himself engaging in sexual activity. A subpoena to the internet provider revealed the user of the internet protocol address associated with PAPA 71953 was, in fact, Stephen Marshall, with a Little Rock address. The UCD compared the identity of the person in the pictures to Stephen Marshall's driver's license photo and determined that they were the same person. The Little Rock Police Department obtained a state search warrant on Stephen Marshall's home and seized numerous pieces of computer equipment the equipment was forensically examined and 35 pictures and 10 movies containing child pornography were found on a thumb drive hidden behind Marshall's computer desk. The forensic examination also revealed internet chats dating back to 2005 in which Stephen Marshall had traded child pornography, receiving as many as 400 images during one chat, se- during one chat session. Again, this is Leo's boss. And Leo's, like 11? on the set of Growing Pains or 12. Yeah. So that is Steven Marshall. He, again, is working with Leonardo DiCaprio directly every single day. And Leo is like alone on this set. The next person that I have to bring up who is very important and ties into so much that we talk about is Brian Peck. Now, Brian Peck is a name that you may have actually heard because uh, he was very publicly arrested and he's friends with a lot of people that we talk about. So he's an actor, he's a children's acting coach. Um, he technically t- teaches like dialogue or, or, not, or he's a dialect coach and he's also a producer for kids shows. So his credits uh, are The Last American Virgin, uh, Return of the Living Dead, He's a huge horror convention person. So if you've been to a horror convention, you've probably met this person. Wow. Um, Just the 10 of Us, Growing Pains, Children of the Corn, Good Burger, Kenan and Kel, Boy Meets World, X-Men. He's extremely close to Brian Singer. They're like um, artistic buddies, whatever you want to call it. They work together a lot. Uh, the Amanda Bynes show, What I Like About You. So he followed Amanda to both shows. He was so connected to her all that. Um, He also, the most important thing is that he made guest appearances on Charlie Sheen's show in 2012, because he's actually best friends with Charlie Sheen. Okay. So in 2004, during his time at Nickelodeon, the allegation was that he had taken a 15-year-old boy to his home for quote, acting lessons. The boy told his parents, this boy was like on a, a hit show. He told his parents and the parents called the police. He was actually arrested and convicted in 2004.
1: Did they say what show he was on or no? Cause this boy's a minor.
0: Um, I will tell you my thoughts on the show after. Okay. Okay. Cause I think that it's been kind of exposed, but it's alleged. Okay. So this is uh, from the LAPD online. It says, on August 19th of 2003, at 9.30 a.m., detectives from the Los Angeles Police Department, Department Sexually Exploited Children's Unit, Juvenile Division, arrested 43-year-old Brian Richard Peck. He was arrested for Penal Code Section 288 lewd act with a child. The lewd acts with a minor occurred approximately two years ago at Peck's residence in the 1300 block of Delano Street, Valley Glen. At the time, Peck was coaching the victim The investigation into Peck began two weeks ago when the Miner's family reported that Peck had molested the child over a six-month period. And then this is a Daily Mail article that came out about the arrest. So it says, perhaps most disturbingly, he is only prohibited from direct contact with children, not from being a part of productions in which children are acting. Meaning, now this is like, i'll get into this after but this is a a law that was like there's a law against this now because of these people
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um but this was before so up until 2012 you could be a child sex offender and work directly with children in movies your whole life okay yeah so it says um meaning that since being convicted he has worked on a disney show and a horror movie set in high school. In court documents obtained by Daily Mail Online, the victim is only named as John Doe to protect his identity. The child did not want to have his identity revealed for fear of having a negative effect on his acting career. Peck had been coaching the youngster in acting at his home when the offenses happened and was only arrested after the budding actor's parents reported him to the police. The documents show Peck was originally charged with 11 counts, including lewd act upon a child, sodomy of a person under 16, attempted sodomy of a person under 16, sexual penetration by foreign object, four counts of oral copulation of a person under 16, oral copulation by anesthesia or controlled substance, sending harmful matter, and using a minor for sex acts. In the end, he pled no contest to two counts, a uh, lewd act against child and oral copulation, and the court found him guilty on both. The remaining charges were dismissed. And in 2004, he agreed to a plea bargain and was uh, ordered to serve 16 months in prison. I couldn't find how many months he actually served. Probably like six. Yeah. Because he's like so connected and he has like really, really powerful friends. So I don't think he like really served any time. And after he was released, ABC Disney... Immediately, I'm talking like a couple, basically a few months after this happened, ABC Disney hired him as a dialect coach on The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Um, he also worked as a sex ed teacher in a movie with kids the same year. And his arrest was major news, it was huge. So obviously, ABC Disney knew that he had just been arrested. And I found this person on Twitter, their Twitter account is Obscured Nick, And they like obsessively post about like the Disney stuff and Nickelodeon and like Dan Schneider and mm-hmm. expose people. Um, and according to them, a, an anonymous family member of Drake Bell reached out to them and said that, that he, basically he was working on their show in 2004 and that it could have likely been some sort of Drake Bell situation and I'm just going to read the Twitter thread that he posted or that they posted it says an anonymous uh, source close to Drake Bell's family has come forward to me the producer that alleged that allegedly molested Drake Bell that was mentioned in a previous thread was in fact Brian Peck The person claims that the anonymous minor was Drake Bell, who came forward. Drake Bell and Brian Peck worked on The Amanda Show together. Brian Peck was the dialogue coach. The Amanda Show was filmed from February of 1999 to January of 2001. And Drake Bell would have have filmed this show from the ages of 12 to 14. And Brian Peck would have been 39 to 41. And uh, this was the time period that he was working with Brian Peck. So if it is him, allegedly the time would make sense. So this person alleges that um, that stuff that came out about him and his ex was a part of this whole Brian Peck thing, which we'll never know. Okay. Because that's what they do when people come forward about any of the stuff that happened on set, they'll Mm -hmm. start paying people around them to make them look bad, but that's out there on the internet. And there's a clip that I actually sent to Kelly yesterday that is very famous, that has been circulating on the internet for a, very, a really long time of Leonardo DiCaprio on the set of Growing Pains. And when I sent it to Kelly, like I, she was visibly uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. I mean, just watching the way, and, and I'm not trying to victim blame Leo when I say this, please, totally. please know that. But Leo's like playing with the buttons on Brian's shirt and and we'll post it on, on our Instagram carousel that we do for these episodes, but they're like rubbing each other's back really intimately and just, I said to Troy, I was like, that's not a normal behavior for somebody.
0: Yeah. It's like Leo is so comfortable with how they interact that he doesn't know it's weird to do it on camera because he's a kid.
1: Exactly, he's just what, fourteen or fifteen?
0: Yeah, he's a baby.
1: Yeah, and and what was it? They were think, like, did Brian rub his forearm or something? There was some like tickling and touching in the video. It's it's very hard to watch.
0: Yeah, they're like grazing arms, and you can just there's like an intimacy there that's like, you, like it looks like people that are like dating
1: both of their hands are like at their upper backs, like on the back of their neck-ish area. Mm-hmm. It's just, when you sent it to me, I was like, I don't like
0: this. Yeah, I was like, so this is the guy we're talking about tomorrow.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's not a great person. Um, And I'm mentioning all these people again, just to say that Leo was surrounded. I mean, he also worked with Brian Peck. Obviously he worked with the first guy that I mentioned. Like he just was surrounded his entire childhood and all throughout his teenage years and young adulthood by people who have literally been arrested for child porn and for like molesting children.
1: One of my first thoughts when you told me about what we were doing for this episode Mm -hmm. was almost like, I know this happened in real life, but the movie spotlight and Mm -hmm. how they really opened up. I mean, again, I know that was a true story but how the Catholic church would just move priests instead Mm -hmm. of actually doing anything. Mm -hmm. And it's like these people went from like ABC family or whatever to like Nickelodeon to Disney. They just moved them around instead of actually dealing with the problem.
0: And can you imagine too, they're getting paid millions of dollars. Like these are wealthy men. Right. Getting paid to be child fucking sex offenders and also to be protected. Yeah. Like, I just, it's so frustrating. It's so, like, it just makes you so angry.
1: It's one of those things where when you're getting all this information, you don't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. There are court cases on this.
0: Right. So speak- you can't deny it. Yeah, it's not, It's you can't deny it. This is not conspiracy. You know, this is not, you know, this is people going to jail and um speaking of movies there's another there's a documentary that covers all of this stuff that you've probably never heard of because they honestly tried to bury it but it's called an open secret and um it was directed by this woman who's been super i I think her name is amy berg i have a quote from her in my notes but she uh she basically talks about how when hollywood found out that she was making this movie immediately she was told like no you know you're not going to get a theatrical release don't even think about it Mm -hmm. and she was like that's fine i'm comfortable having it go out on the internet and they actually tried to block that too and the movie is about all of these people um and they're all in it and they don't know that they're being filmed for a documentary about being sex offenders they don't know
1: oh yeah and what was that called again
0: it's called an open secret okay You can find it on online and it's really good. It's of course, super hard to watch, but, um, it goes into a million, you know, just so much more detail about these people. So, um, but yeah, and like I said earlier, he, you know, Leo has the same, the same story as like every child actor that I've ever done a podcast about of like, my parents drove me to all my auditions and they gave up their job for me and blah, 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 blah. Um, But like in reality, he's no different than any child star.
1: And I feel like people may forget that because Leo is such a polarizing actor that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. But people don't remember that he got his start on a show like Growing Pains.
0: Right. And that he's extremely secretive. Yeah. Like there are reasons, you know, I can't even imagine the conversations that like, people have had with him like you better not fucking say so and so and so and so because he knows everything Mm -hmm. um so the next person that we're going to talk about and probably the biggest one of this whole moment is a man named Bob Villard Bob Villard is a uh, children's acting coach he's a children's publicist he's a child actor manager And he's a children's photographer.
1: That last one gave me chills down my whole body.
0: You're not even, you're not ready for, this was like, this one's really bad. I'm just like letting everybody know.
1: And and I'll say, this is one of the first episodes where I have not read the notes beforehand.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this one's, I just, just gear up. Okay. So it's really hard to, like sum up who Bob Villard really is because he's had so many jobs and his impact on like mid-70s to I guess I would say like early 2000s child actor, that world, like he was that world. Every child actor that we've known in our lifetime, he's worked with. And he also, like I said, worked as a manager and a publicist. So he was in every hat that you could have in Hollywood he's taking the pictures he's casting helping cast these kids he's getting them jobs you know he's coaching them on how to act at his house like he's really involved and this is a blind item from 2018 that made the it was like a big deal in the internet when it came out it's called peace friends it says there is a behind-the-scenes power player in Hollywood who was on who was on a blind earlier this year. Let's stick with calling him P. P once represented a former A-list teen star who you all know during the early the early years of his career. However, there is no reason to think this former 80 star is one of P's victims. While he has been in the news a great deal lately for reasons other than his acting, our former star does, does return to the big screen soon. About a month from now, he starts a, He stars in a small-budget crime thriller as a vicious cross-dressing vampire. Back in the day, a little over three decades ago, one of P's close work friends happened to be a notorious child-molesting photographer who also dabbled in child pornography. Let's call the photographer B. Around this time, another of P's close work friends was another longtime serial pedophile. He was called NS in a prior blind, and you all know him. NS was an acting manager, P, B, and NS all had clients in common, through referrals from one another, of course. Their businesses at the time were not in competition with one another, but rather complementary. It was not unusual for P, B, and NS and a couple of clients to all hang out in the same place together. Back in the late 70s, B was first brought to the attention of the LAPD. It wasn't until about a decade later that he was finally caught in a nationwide, nationwide child porn sting, along with several others. B fought the charges and escaped on a technicality during the appeals process. Despite this, B was welcomed right back to Hollywood. B began branching out as a talent manager and coach. B managed a certain young actor starting when he was barely a teen. This young actor had big promise and quickly began getting a lot of work. Unfortunately, this young actor quickly spiraled down the path of substance abuse and died of a drug overdose before he turned 25. B was accused of child porn a little over a decade and a half ago, but he struck a plea deal. B pled to a misdemeanor and got probation. A few years later, one of B's clients went to the police. He was barely a teen at the time and got B convicted for molesting him. B finally served a few years in jail. What did P know about his friends and when did he know it? How long did he remain friends with them? So P is somebody that we'll talk about at the end of the episode named Jeff Ballard. The former star is Corey Feldman. The film coming soon was Queen Nash Corbin. B, the photographer, of course, is Bob Villard. The deceased actor is Christopher, is it Petite? Yeah. And then... In uh, S, the other person is a guy named Marty Weiss, who we'll also talk about. Whew. So as you can see, it's like, obviously all of these men are really despicable, but Bob Villard is particularly, particularly despicable because you basically couldn't be a child actor and not come in contact with him somehow from some angle. Like he positioned himself to be like a nucleus of all child actors in Hollywood, pretty much.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And um, this is the Inside Edition article from 2014 about his arrest. It says, as a prominent Hollywood publicist and manager, Villard says he helped guide the young careers of several of today's biggest stars, which include Tobey Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio. He took photos of the young future stars, even Tom Cruise. While none of these actors has ever accused Villard of abuse, Villard recently finished an eight-year sentence for molesting an aspiring young actor. When Inside Edition caught up with him, he ran off. Our producer said, I'd like to talk to you about your career in Hollywood. Why are you running, Mr. Villard? And I guess, like, the number one thing to know about Bob Villard and why he's so intensely tied to all of our previous episodes is that, like, he wasn't, you know, obviously he was, like, the child photographer so you basically had to get your headshots done through Bob Villard if you were like a successful actor at the time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um he worked with Tom Cruise he worked with Tobey Maguire Ricky Schroeder Kirk Cameron Matt Dillon Jason Bateman the list truly goes on it's like wild and the police started to catch on to him in like the mid-70s so like years before he was even arrested the police knew that he was molesting kids in Hollywood, but they didn't have any way of like attaching him to it that they could like arrest him. So he just was like working for years of people knowing that he was a child molester.
1: Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching.
0: Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash blinds. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash blinds now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash blinds. Oh. Um yeah. <laughs> a lot.
1: This this is a lot but this is stuff people need to know about.
0: Yeah. You guys sorry if you're like on your way to work.
1: <laughs> this is my jaw is I mean my jaw is on the floor.
0: Is it like making sense though the the people and the things I don't want to overload people.
1: Yeah, I mean absolutely when you see, you know, the first thing when I saw Toby Maguire, I know him and Leo have been friends since day 1. Mm-hmm. And I know they're still best friends to this day, and I'm like, trauma bonding. You know right, they right. they've been through they've been through this together. And you know, to see Tom Cruise's name. It's just like, holy shit. You and I have focused so much time on Lou Pearlman and Dan Schneider. But these people, I don't know if it's fair to say them more in the background.
0: You know, they're all so close to each other. And it's crazy when you, when you find one, they're like cockroaches. There's more because it's like, they need each other to just like that blind said, like there's no competition, right? All, all they do is complement each other's businesses. They're just piling up money. There's no, their, their, their competition is their best friend and they're doing, they're like able to like molest kids together. Like they're like living like fucking pot kings, honestly.
1: And I guess right now I feel really naive because there was one anti-lawyer episode of his podcast. It may have been a Jamie Lynn episode or, or something like that, mm-hmm. where he talked about how Dan wasn't the only creep on set, mm-hmm. but I almost didn't let myself go there. Right. I was just kind of like, nope, it's just Dan Schneider. Yeah. But that's my own blocking out that this could be a possibility
0: i get it though and just like the thought of being young and not being like you don't have anybody you can turn to and the people that you can turn to are like afraid so they just let you you know it's just crazy it's really crazy yeah this next article is from 1987 this is actually bob villard's he's been arrested literally i think five times in total the same thing for this for distribution of child porn and he just every time gets like I think he's still in jail though right now but he's been arrested so much I can't even keep up fucking Uh, keep
1: him there please
0: I know and they like they keep saying like oh five years it's like why six years why keep him because he's just gonna get get another fucking job in Hollywood because they apparently love him
1: we don't want him
0: yeah So it says, on September 9th of 1987, Detective DeWarren accompanied Special Agent Michael Randolph and Alan Rogers of the FBI to the defendant's apartment in Van Nuys. They were armed with the arrest warrant based on federal indictments issued in New Jersey. The indictments alleged that the defendant transported child pornography across state lines. The officers knocked on Mr. Villard's apartment door at approximately 7.20 a.m. Villard appeared at the door in a bathrobe and was told that the officers had a warrant and was told by the officers that they had a warrant for his arrest. The three officers followed Villard into his apartment so the defendant could dress. Detective Dorn proceeded into, a, into the two back rooms of the apartment, a bedroom and a den, in order to ensure that there were em- they were empty of persons who might present a threat to the officer. This included a look into closets to ensure that no one was concealed there. The detective observed a young male sleep on the floor of the defendant's bedroom. Detective Dwarren had previously investigated the defendant regarding the possible exploitation of children and had entered the defendant's apartment on at least two previous occasions since 1980. On both of these occasions, there had been juveniles engaged in legitimate photo sessions in Villard's apartment and further investigation had determined that no legal activity had taken place with respect to those juveniles. Um, and these are court documents. So just for the sake of not reading 12 pages of court documents, um, I can just sum up this next portion of it. But the basically, the police officer notices a binder in his living room. So he like picks it up with a pen and like examines it. And then he proceeds to say what he saw in the binder. Um, the detective lifted the top most loose pages of slides removed it from the closet, held it up to the light and viewed it casually. One slide, the third from the top left, caught his eye. He observed it to be a slide of two juveniles nude and apparently engaged in sexual activity. So that's just one of the many times that Bob Villard has been arrested. Um, He was convicted, but upon appeal, the charges against him fell apart because the prosecutors were unable to produce the, um, basically they couldn't get the uh, the documentation to court on time. Mm-hmm. So he was just like, let go because they the lawyers like dropped the ball pretty much. Um, but yeah, like let it be known, Bob Villard is yet another person convicted of child sex crimes and having to register as a sex offender who is being hired constantly to work with kids
1: yeah I was gonna say that was an 87 arrest but he continued to work until the early 2000s you said
0: yeah and then like in 2012 which I'll get to it but they ended up passing a law because of him it Took of, him long enough yeah instead of firing him they just passed a law like
1: it makes me so sad to think that these kids just don't have anyone on their
0: side. I know. And like their parents are just like pushing them into Like they know what's happening and they're all about it. They're like, go for it. Do whatever you want to my kid. Give them drugs. You know, give them alcohol. Like it's just unimaginable.
1: It's so crazy. Was it the Boston show? somebody asked a question or made a comment about the fact that maybe this was even a DM, but they were like, this is important to talk about because maybe someone listening wants to get their kid in the business. And this might help people be like, Oh, maybe fucking not.
0: Don't do it. It's just not worth it.
1: Before we continue with this, do you think there's, and I know this is a big thing to say, Mm -hmm. but is there are any of those kids that were on Disney or or Nickelodeon, like, safe from this?
0: What what I have, like, worked out of my mind, just to, like, help myself sleep at night after doing all yeah. these notes, is that, like, there are good people. And if you watch that um, that documentary that I told you about, you do get to kind of see the good people and, like, how they operate in all of this okay like how they they have their own way of like protecting kids because they can't outright protect kids because if they do they'll get fired so like they have to kind of like be vigilantes about it and like protect children in secret which is fucking insane um but I I do believe that there are good people on sets that like have the best interests of kids it's just like those people don't outweigh the shitty people, you know.
1: Right. The executive producers of a show. Right. Cuz I still think about the David Harbour blind knowing about Millie Bobby Brown right. and he couldn't even say anything and he has a big name.
0: And he's on the show. Yeah. You know, he's not like some hair person or something. He's like on the show and he can't even do anything.
1: Yeah, he's the star.
0: Right. Um and by the way, if anybody wants to Um, look up who Bob is, his photo agency is still very popular. Like they take red carpet photos. They, I mean, you know, it's called Globe Incorporated. And when you look at his website, I mean, he's literally, he's been working since the seventies. So he's done every event you could ever fathom.
1: So they haven't tried to really scrub him from that at all.
0: So his inappropriate photos have been scrubbed, but here's the interesting thing. The pictures So like, okay, in a nutshell, Bob Villard was basically making porn and distributing it to other people in Hollywood. And he was making porn of actors that he was working with. And then what he would do is use his more tame photos as headshots. But he's so prominent that it's likely like we've all seen Bob Villard photos. And when you see his pictures and you know who he is and you know this stuff, you're like immediately able to tell his pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, they just look like his photos. And so he would like, you know, have the most popular child actor, whoever it was, because he worked with everybody, Leo as an example. Um, they would go to his house and do these quote photo shoots in his home. He always shot at his house which is so fucking creepy. Like what parent would be like, oh yeah, you're 10. I'll drop you off at a photographer's home and you guys will do a sleepover photo shoot. Are you kidding?
1: In what world? I don't even have words. And I mean, when you hear about, say, the casting coach or whatever, these young actresses are in their 20s and they can't say no. They don't mm-hmm. know how to say no. Mm-hmm. How is a 13-year-old boy or girl going to be able to be like, oh, this is wrong? When right. in their head, they're like probably thinking, this is how I become famous.
0: Right. And my parents told me to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The other really interesting thing about Bob is that where he crosses over beyond like the child stuff and like what we talk about, like you said, the casting couch stuff, is that because he was so prominent, it had kind of become known where it was like, if you get photographed by Bob, it's likely you know the deal. Like you've been groomed enough to know what to expect. And like that means that if you've worked with Bob and then he sends you to say, Marty or Marty Weiss or whoever any one of these other guys, the assumption will be that you've been groomed and like you're in it now. So there's that, and then the added layer is that the older people that he also worked with, because he's a casting couch photographer. Mm -hmm. So then he also has older people, people like listen, I'm just gonna say it. This is a Patreon episode, so I'm just gonna say it. People like Tom Cruise in the 80s, people like Matt Dillon, who, if you look up what somebody like Matt Dillon was doing during this time, he was a fucking street hustler. And he was allowing Bob Villard to take like insane photos of him. Now, because he's an adult or he was an adult at the time, like pictures of, of him and like people like Tom Cruise, those are still on the internet. They circulate.
1: The names you're saying reminds me of the movie The Outsiders. It's basically (sighs) that whole cast, right?
0: It's the cast of The Outsiders, yes.
1: (gasps) Ah, okay.
0: Yes. So, see these older guys, like these hustler type guys would go to Bob because they knew the deal. So somebody like Tom Cruise, who at that point, the only, before Tom had done The Outsiders, the only time he had ever really been photographed was for like a gay porn um cover or something, like um like an ad in a newspaper. And he's been trying to get that scrub from the internet basically since he became famous, but it always circulates. So then what are the odds that he immediately then works with Bob, has a photo shoot done at his house, and the next thing you know, Tom is immediately cast as the lead in risky business. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> so not only was Bob a creep with kids, he was also like a necessary tool. And that's how he was so powerful because older people worked with him and expected that he would like pass their headshots around and let it be known that they're down to like casting couch.
1: But also olders, like 19 to 21.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, exactly. Like baby faced fucking Rob Lowe. Yeah okay yeah everybody breathe (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot um but yeah and he's I guess to kind of give you an idea of what kind of pictures he he took publicly he was a um teen magazine photographer so the foldouts that you had in your bedroom as a kid of people like Aaron Carter and Lil Bow Wow it's likely that Bob Villard took them or that they went through his photo agency because he was a teen magazine photographer.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's that. And yeah, that lady's name from the documentary, her name is Amy Berg. I was right earlier. Um, so in the documentary, this person actually, she talks about how she discovered that Bob Villard was a predator. I thought this was the most interesting part of the movie. So she noticed that all of Bob's photos had this distinct style. Like I said, like when you look at them, you can tell that they're Bob Villard photos. And it's usually like some like really suggestive picture of him like standing above the kid. And it like makes the photo look really suggestive Mm -hmm. or it'll be like, you know, like a kid in like some like muscle shirt or like in a bathing suit, it's something that is suggestive <clears throat> if you're a creep, but they could also sell to like j fourteen
1: right if you don't think that way, it won't look weird
0: exactly, like how Lou Proman had them all like thrusting in wet shirts and their videos, and it's like it's for young girls, but it's like no, it's not, you know what I mean yeah um so she had noticed that he had this really weird, distinct style of taking pictures. And she also noticed a bunch of these like shirtless photos and these bathing suit photos popping up um, that he was taking of like young boys and girls and they were being distributed all over Hollywood. But the weird thing was that they were being sold on eBay. And in her mind, she was like, well, why would somebody want, I can understand somebody wanting a headshot of like, you know, River Phoenix or something but like, why would you want a headshot of a kid that's not even been cast in anything yet? It was like a nobody. Like who's going to be paying $8,000 or whatever for a stack of pictures for a bunch of kids that nobody even knows. And that's how she discovered that he was, he had a bunch of different screen names and that he was selling these pictures to other pedophiles on eBay. And that's how he got caught one of the 12 million fucking times that he got caught. So this is an LA Times article from 2012. Like I said, he's been arrested literally 20 times. It says, Villard was again accused of child pornography in 2001 after searches of his home uncovered thousands of photographs of boys in skipping ba- skimpy bathing suits posed in sexually suggestive positions, police said. Uh, he pled no contest to a misdemeanor and was sentenced to three years probation. Throughout this period, Villard, touted his work with aspiring young actors, some of whom would later become major Hollywood stars, among them, Tobey Maguire, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Danny Nucci. Villard boasted on a company website that, as a manager, he, quote, guided the careers of dozens of successful film and television actors. In 2005, Villard was back in court and pled no contest to the felony charges of committing a lewd act on a child. The victim was a 13-year-old boy who sought him out as an acting coach. Villard is serving an eight-year prison sentence. People like this are predators who prey on little kids who want to be the next Justin Bieber. And they're told that's what's done. This is normal in the industry, said Katie Albrecht, the Los Angeles County Department District Attorney who prosecuted the 2005 Villard case. Um, And like I said, they have since passed laws because... Bob Villard was, like, such a prominent person in Hollywood that they ended up, like, having to because the whole world saw all these arrests happen and, like, nothing was being done about it. And parents were starting websites, survival guide, how to protect your kid in Hollywood. Like, there were books coming out, like, self-help books of, like, ways to teach your kid to defend themselves and shit. Like, it really started, like, an uproar of scared parents being like, well, I want my kid to act, but I guess he can't even, like, he can't do anything because this guy is, like, doing everything in Hollywood. So they did finally pass a law, basically, because of him. We're almost done. The next person that we're going to talk about is another really prominent figure named Marty Weiss. Uh, Marty Weiss was also a children's talent manager. He's very good friends with all these people. Um, Also, by the way, I feel like I should say before we move on from Bob... Leonardo DiCaprio lived in his house.
1: Of course he did, right? That's even going back to the boy band episode. What has made it normal that, you know, all these young men lived with Lou Pearlman, that Justin Bieber lived with Usher, that Usher lived with Diddy? When did we decide that was A OK.
0: I don't know. They must just tell the parents that everybody does this. They must just say that for everything.
1: And Justin Bieber was, I hate to use the word like taken, but he was brought from Canada. Right. A whole different country. Right. You just live with Scooter and Usher.
0: It's like, what was the real negotiation that took place there? Like, was Justin Bieber a talented little boy? Of course. But would you have flown him across the world and had him move into your home? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he was so talented that at, what was he, 10 or something? It's just odd. Like, I would just imagine they must must tell all these parents, like, this is just how it is. Like, if you want them to do, like, this is what, you know, so-and-so did. I can't think, Justin, this is what Justin Bieber did. It's crazy. God.
1: But nobody ever questions it.
0: No. Oh. Yeah, he, Leo lived in his house. Tobey Maguire also lived in Marty's house. And all of, the, pretty much every famous photo of Leo as a child is from Bob Villard. There are these pictures of Tobey Maguire and Leo like bowling together.
1: I, yeah, I know exactly what picture you're talking about.
0: That's a Those are Bob Villard photos. And that's like an outing with Bob how they were living with him. Like, it's like crazy.
1: Wow. And I don't know if you mentioned this earlier in the episode. I'm sorry if you did. But again, there was no social media. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, TikTok grabs something and runs with it. But there, there was no protection. There were no eyes like that.
0: Not even a cell phone to shoot your parents a text. Right. It's like you literally had a house phone that was your connection to the world like it's crazy so these guys were able to just fucking gallivant and just do whatever they wanted like not only and then if they get arrested it's not even a big deal
1: because they'll just be put on a different network
0: yeah And they'll be hired anyway because legally, the loophole that they've created in the industry is that you can work with kids as a child, as a sex offender.
1: And they have all this blackmail on these young stars. And again, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure Leo had gay rumors like Zach did. Mm -hmm. And and they would just blackmail them, being like, well, we have these photos.
0: Exactly. And you know the photos we have.
1: I'm pretty sure Zach said he, want, he felt connected to Leo due to their, like, young upbringing. D- is it, am I right with that? Of
0: course, yes. They, I will never forget it, because this was the first thing I thought of, that he was like, he gave me advice on the heartthrob thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, like, what did that sound like? Because holy shit. Because he is Leo
1: yeah and kenny ortega there's something about him that's just not right
0: oh my god that man i'm sure he's friends with all of these fucking people and it's so crazy everybody's friends with dan even if they're not friends they're they're always friends with dan
1: okay oh my
0: god (laughs) i know so this person marty weiss like i said he's a child talent manager his website has been taken down um, so it's really hard to find a list, the exact list of people that he represented. I couldn't find it. Um, but I do know that he worked directly with like, he was a Disney like Nickelodeon t- talent manager. So the people that you would assume, I guess. Um, and I'm assuming the talent wanted it scrubbed from the internet too, because he's been arrested. Uh, I know for sure that he worked with Um, he worked on iCarly and he was also responsible for casting the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And he's very good friends with Dan Schneider. They worked on all of these shows together. Um, Marty Weiss was actually named, well, he was renamed in the book, but Corey Feldman wrote about Marty Weiss in his book. And he's one of the people that Corey accused of molesting Corey Haim. Um, This is an article from NBC Los Angeles. It says, a self-employed Hollywood child star agent who on his company website said he prides himself on his ability to communicate with his young clientele was arrested Tuesday on suspicion on suspicion of molesting one of his clients. Marty Weiss was charged with eight felony counts, two counts of lewd acts with a child, one count of forced lewd acts with a child, two counts of continuous lewd acts with a child, and three felonies, I'm sorry, three counts of sodomy with a child, according to the LAPD detective Feranda Avila. The now 18-year-old victim alleged he, who was an aspiring singer and musician formerly represented by Weiss, told police on November 17th that he was forced to have sex with Weiss about 30 or 40 times during a three-year period from 2005 to 2008 until he, was, until he was 15. So he got out of it at 15. And this is another article from Re- Reuters.com. Um, it's a quote from someone named Paula Dorn. Uh, she's the co-founder of the nonprofit child talent support organization BizParent. Um, she told The rap that her group has received, quote, second or third-hand complaints for many years about Weiss and that they, quote, never had any proof about anything actionable. She said, or uh, they said, he used to hit on Corey Haim all the time, noted Scott Carlson, the manager of another former child, former child star Corey Feldman, who has a, alleged sexual abuse when he was younger. Corey Feldman and I both knew him. Marty Weiss is very well known within our community, mostly because of his very outgoing personality. He was a party clown, added Paul Peterson, a former child actor um, and founder of A Minor Consideration, a nonprofit that supports former child stars. Weiss often blurred the lines between professional and personal behavior, according to Dorn, in addition to sleepovers, he also took road trips with his underage clients who were not accompanied by their parents. Uh, He would have sleepovers and was always known for being very social with his clients. Um, Oh, so Marty is the person. So finally, after Bob Villard's arrest and Marty's arrest, which was huge, in 2012, Hollywood passed a bill protecting child actors from working under registered sex offenders because of their arrests. Um so as mentioned Marty is very prominently featured in An Open Secret and I don't want to ruin the movie because it's it's a really amazing like it's a good reveal but there's a part of the movie where he is uh secretly like he's secretly recorded by one of his victims the kid that they're talking about and this kid for the first time in his life who at the time I think he was like 18 or 19 had like the courage to be like, hey, you fucking molested me. And he got Marty to admit it on on a wire. And it was really, really intense. And Marty's on Twitter. He's one of the only people out of this whole list, including Dan and everybody else, who doesn't live in privacy or secrecy. He's very out, very public. Like, he... Has a, And his whole angle now is that he's been, um, he's suffered extreme homophobia and that um, all of this is because people hate gay men and uh, he is like very pro-gay rights and stuff and like very LGBTQ plus, but like, yeah.
1: Out of all of them, his name's the one I recognized.
0: Yeah, he's very, very, well, he was really powerful um, yeah, so you can, and his, his Twitter isn't even private, so you can look him up right now, Marty Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, he is very public on Twitter, um, his replies are insane, as you would imagine, and yeah, and then the last person I didn't take a lot of notes about, because his whole gig is, he's pretty secretive, um, but, Jeff Ballard was the person mentioned in the first blind that I met, P, and he's just another fucker. He's uh, very, very, also really good friends with Charlie Sheen. He actually vacations with Charlie a lot. Um, They have been on yachts together. They've been friends for many, many, many years. Uh, There are really creepy photos of Jeff Ballard in the 80s, like Uh, you know, holding lots of children on his lap and just being an absolute fucking creep. And uh, yeah, there's more names, but, you know, maybe maybe we'll do this again (laughs) one
1: day. So you've mentioned Charlie Sheen a few times and Mm -hmm. you weren't surprised. No. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I guess I've always thought of him as into drugs and prostitute and like sex workers and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I never knew young Hollywood involved with him, I guess.
0: So when Denise Richards, and I only know this because of, uh, I did a Denise and Charlie episode for Dunzo and I was like shocked by this. Um, But so basically Denise Richards, when she filed for divorce from Charlie, um, she had said in court that she found child porn on his computer and it oh. was, like, really disturbing and, like, some really graphic, like, violent child porn. Um, so Denise has admitted that she knows, and she said it several times, like, she knows for sure that Charlie likes having sex with children, which oh. I think that's fucking insane because she still talks about him like he's the wacky dad of her kids. Like, that's wacky Charlie. Um but also Corey Feldman named Charlie Sheen as one of the people that raped Corey Hain. Okay. So on the set of Lucas, um Cor- Charlie raped Corey, who at the time was 13.
1: Oh yeah. my god.
0: Yeah. And Charlie is dear, dear, dear friends with all of these people. Charlie is probably the worst of all of them, to be honest.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, just based on stuff I read about him. Like, I had read, too, that he... um, One of his madams had come forward and, and talked about, like, his kinks. And one of his kinks was passing HIV to young people.
1: What the fuck?
0: Yeah. Like, he would hire call her and hire her to find him, like, young girls to... Basically past HIV too. Like he's a really sadistic fuck. And he's my favorite example when people say, like, who's not canceled that you think should be? I'm like, Charlie Sheen should be in a stray jacket somewhere. He should be locked the fuck up. And wow. Yeah, he should not be fucking featured on the Real House of Beverly Hills as the wacky stepdad. Like he is not. Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, Hollywood has really made him, like, just the crazy guy who likes
0: drugs. (laughs) Remember that crazy year with Charlie? I was like, yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's so crazy because he's an actor. We're talking mostly about agents and things like that. Mm -hmm. But even actors in the business are doing these things. Oh, yeah. Because, again, I've always thought it's people empower the directors, the agents, the... You know, managers, I guess until this very second, <laughs> I didn't realize it could also be an actor.
0: You guys, I'm sorry to be the Grim Reaper.
1: <laughs> this has been a tough one.
0: I'm sorry to be the Grim Reaper. This has been really, really intense.
1: And it all started with Leo part two. Yeah. And and we pulled some blinds, but Troy and I had a conversation before the episode and I was like, I don't want to read a blind about Demi Moore and Leonardo DiCaprio right now. <laughs> right, it's yeah, not the time. It's not time to be like silly goofy.
0: Yeah, totally, not the time. Um,
1: so we I, will have another Leo episode eventually, but yeah. Troy, you're an incredible, you do such a great job at finding information. And I just, I'm giving you so much credit right now. You, you're incredible with your investigation skills.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I, I I know that we didn't talk about Leo directly a lot. And like, you know, but again, these are all people that it's like, we are talking about him. And, right. you know, because these are all people that were a huge part of Leo's life. Um, like I said, he lived with that guy. The other guy, he was his his manager on the, the first show he had done. And, you know, these these people like raised him. So You know, it's just, it's, it's really fucked. And I'm not going to say that I'm happy, but like, I am, I am happy in the sense that these people have been arrested and they have public records. And when people, like, if, you know, when people try and debate us on like the Disney or Nickelodeon of it all, it's like, well, here's more blatant proof that they don't give a fuck and that they purposely hire predators. And that there's something weird going on there.
1: And even with Dan Schneider, when Me Too started, when people started coming out for the Me Too movement, they just let him go. Exactly. They didn't fire him. They didn't do anything. They quietly let him go.
0: Mm-hmm. And nobody even checked to see if they did. Nobody even cared.
1: What do you think it would take? Do you think it would take someone like a Leo? Because... When Corey Feldman came out, nobody, everyone takes him as a joke, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When Amanda Bynes was trying to talk about it, people were like, oh, she's crazy. Right. Matt McCurdy, same thing. Yeah. What do you, what do you think it would take for people to take this serious? Or do you think it's just so embedded in Hollywood that there's almost no change? And I hate to say that.
0: Well, it's true. I mean, it's true. Like, that—that that is really how it is. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about this before, where with Me Too, um, with Harvey, it was like, people have an understanding that there's something that goes on in Hollywood that involves sex and having to sleep with people. So to hear that there's this big, gross, fucking sea creature that's having sex with beautiful, young ingenues, that is something that people can like wrap their head around. Yeah. Like it's really easy for people to understand that. But when you talk about kids and when you talk about men, I don't think people will ever be. And it sucks because it's like people not wanting to deal with this or or have to think about it or whatever. Just like Hollywood like relies on that.
1: For sure. And you'll hear... Obviously, this whole episode has been a fucking trigger warning. But you'll hear on the news about, you know, a teacher doing this to a student. Mm-hmm. But you never hear about it in Hollywood. Exactly. So why, why are people more accepting of, you know, a teacher slept with a freshman? Right. But they don't want to hear what happens in Hollywood, you know?
0: Yeah, like that will turn into a Lifetime movie. Right. <laughs> but like the idea that, you know... A young, like a, an an adult male actor who maybe is straight or whatever, has children or whatever. Like, I really think people are like behind in a lot of ways, just generally when it comes to like male abuse. Yeah, and I'm not saying that this happened only to boys. Of course, that's not the case. But like this particular set of predators were all they all targeted young men, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people having a hard time understanding that like that's something that can happen to any guy um straight gay whatever and that it that it does happen like it happens a lot if anything probably way more because it's so easy to you know get by or like get out what you know what i'm trying to say
1: because it'll be turned around as well are you gay
0: exactly where
1: there's Less compassion, I guess.
0: That's how I feel. Yeah. Less compassion, more like questioning. And it's like trust the victim until they don't perfectly look like a victim I'm used to.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sorry for the downer app, you guys.
1: Jeez, fuck. No, it's it's important to talk about. It's important. And we know that this topic is connected to- different groups of people but at the end of the day the whole time you're saying this I'm thinking of these actors and actresses that talk about child trafficking in other countries or even in our country even in the U.S. yeah but never in fucking Hollywood
0: right and I'm happy that you brought it up again because I was like I've been reading about this stuff since like way before QAnon was a thing so like uh, and i know that we've said this before but it's like just because a group of people decided to attach themselves to a cause doesn't make the cause any less valid like you can't you can't go around saying believe victims and then hear things like this that are like factual like this is mm-hmm. not alleged like these people i just read 12 fucking arrest documents like this is real you can't say like, oh, believe victims or whatever and then be like, oh, well, that's not real because QAnon. Like right. at the end of the day, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, fuck QAnon. Like, I don't even think about that when I'm, when I'm reading this stuff. I'm just like, this is Hollywood. Yeah. So.
1: I mean, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I think this is almost like a groundbreaking episode and we're giving it to Patreon first.
0: Yeah. Totally. I
1: don't know if this would be a bad thing to release publicly.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm thinking in, in time,
1: thing. in time.
0: One day, once I work up the courage.
1: <laughs> because this is so important. And and I know I've said that a billion times during this whole episode, but it is and it makes you realize that the people who went quote unquote crazy, they didn't go crazy. How else are they supposed to deal with their fucking trauma?
0: Exactly. The other day, somebody said, um, somebody said to me, like, why is it just seem like it's always child actors that end up crazy or they end up going nuts? And I'm like, like, think of it this way. At 12 years old, and I know everybody's circumstances are completely different and everybody's raised differently, but like, at like 10, 11 years old, were you like dying to do cocaine? no kids don't just like things like this don't just happen to kids like kids don't just go to rehab at 14 and that's like a normal thing you know what i mean these kids are groomed and they're fucking given drugs because they know all of this shit going on and these creepy men and women in some cases uh want to sedate them and have them be more pliable and easy to control and who better to like steal money from and assault than somebody who can barely talk yeah you know or, or somebody who's strung out that nobody will believe
1: and then they'll blackmail you or wait until you go quote-unquote crazy so no one believes you
0: exactly and watch the world fucking rip you to shreds so if you're Amanda Bynes you're just out here being fucking ripped apart when all you did as a kid was just like try and act you know it's really yeah. sad. Wow. So, I do, are- think,
1: I do think this episode helped tie, to, tie everything together because you and I talk so much about Dan. And again, it's one of those things where I was naively thinking it's just Dan. It's just mm-hmm. Dan. That's why Nickelodeon kind of kept him in the background. Right. But they fucking just traded spaces with other pedophiles.
0: Yeah, for real. They like moved him around on a bookshelf, basically.
1: Yeah, it's what they did with the fucking priests, and not to get, not to be Catholic on Maine, as I like to
0: say. (laughs) But
1: but that's exactly what they did.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's one thousand percent true, and it's interesting that there's like parallels there, you know, like in the way that they decide to handle it. Um, but yeah, all these people do is just get moved around to different jobs, and they're either working at Disney or they're working at Nickelodeon, but they're all owned by one fucking person anyway.
1: Yeah, and now all these pictures I had on my wall of, like, a shirtless Nick Carter, or...
0: Oh, Oh God, I know. I know. The Bob Villard of it all, like, you know, the only pictures that are left on the internet, obviously, are, like, it's been scrubbed, so, like, the really inappropriate ones, of course, have been removed, and all of his... um, Most of his stuff's been taken down, but, again, when you look at, like, a... I don't know, uh, what's an 80s child actor? I can't think of anybody's name now. Uh,
1: Kirk Cameron?
0: Kirk Cameron. When you look at a Bob, like if you Google Bob Villard Kirk Cameron, you immediately, like, you'll know, you just know that it's his photos. Yeah. They just look like his. Even if the person is like fully clothed, they still look like a Bob Villard photo. And it just, in my mind, I was like, God, I've been looking at these pictures my whole Life. These are pictures that I've had saved on my computer and my phone, like pictures of Leo. Oh my god! Like pictures that I grew up with, and I'm like, fuck.
1: And when we post the carousel, you'll see the video that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. And like Troy said, when he sent it to me, I was I don't want that. When he sent it (laughs) to me, I was just like, no, I I refuse this.
0: And I'm like, so this is our episode tomorrow. Is this guy? What do you think? it's bad but yeah i'm happy that i'm happy that we did this and like i said there are more of course there are more names maybe one day we'll do a follow-up and expose more people
1: and we do plan on really doing a leo episode it's just yeah troy found this and again i i support troy with whatever he wants to talk about
0: (laughs) yeah thanks for letting me fucking ramble about the darkest shit ever for an hour
1: Absolutely. This, this is important. I know I've said it a billion times and I've said, (laughs) I've said it a billion times, but it is important (laughs) to talk about.
0: (laughs) I keep repeating
1: myself. I keep repeating myself because I'm so uncomfortable. I
0: know. I know. It's okay. I get it. I know. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Do you have any closing thoughts about this?
1: I think my closing thoughts are, I wish, I wish people, cared about kids in Hollywood mm-hmm. the way that they say they care about kids in Hollywood. Yeah. And I wish we could remove the cloak of the quote, crazy people talking about things that may, may or may not have happened. Mm-hmm. Cause Corey Feldman, when he came out and started talking about this, everyone was just like, he was on drugs. I mean, right. fucking, I would be on drugs too. First of all.
0: Exactly. Hello. But,
1: yeah. And I think we have to believe victims here and none of or some of it was alleged but most of it was actual court documents they had to make a fucking law to make this stop
0: like it's not conspiracy and at the end of the day if you can rally behind angelina jolie you can rally behind some fucking kid on a nickelodeon set who like you know, is surrounded by predators. Like, I don't, I'm I'm almost just like at this, I understand it's hard to talk about, I get it. And it's uncomfortable and it's sad and it makes you feel sick. But like, doesn't it make you feel more sick knowing you're watching a bunch of shows and movies and you're letting your kids watch shows that are being run by fucking creeps? Like, I look back and I'm like, if my mom, I don't know if my mom would have wanted me watching even like Nickelodeon as a kid knowing that like pedophiles are like programming the kids watching it to be into like feet and shit like doesn't that creep you out more than just like acknowledging that this is happening
1: yeah and going back to Angelina Jolie the thought of obviously trafficking kids happens across the whole world Mm -hmm. and I know I mentioned this earlier but now I'm more infuriated that You know, Ashton Kutcher, who has talked a lot about trying to stop um, child pornography and stuff. Mm -hmm. What about look in your own industry?
0: Yeah. How about movies you've done?
1: Yeah. And Angelina Jolie was a young child actor.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's the part of me that I guess I'll never fully understand is like. Like somebody like Angelina, it's like she Angelina has children, so she knows that this is wrong. But at a, at a, I would imagine that for everybody, there comes a time when you'd have to like turn a blind eye to what you're seeing. If you want to remain hired and on sets and stuff, like you just got to pretend you're not seeing certain things. And it's like, is it because it happens to a lot of people young and then they grow up in Hollywood? Like they just think that it's a part of being in Hollywood. Like it's like, um, like, what is it called when you're like uh the new person and you have to be like bullied for a little bit?
1: Hazing. It's almost like earn your stripes type of yeah. thing. Yeah.
0: Like do they look at it as like earn your stripes, like this is what we all go through or something?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I know. Doing this podcast makes me hate
0: Hollywood so deeply. I know. I
1: used to love pop culture now I'm like fuck <laughs> this.
0: <laughs> I know. We used to love it with such a a gen like a genuine heart too.
1: Yeah. And I guess it is comforting to know that in that same documentary that there are people on set trying to help as much as they can.
0: Yeah, you guys watch An Open Secret. It was supposed to get like a big theater a little like across the country release, but um, they blocked the movie and made sure that nobody would see it. And they go into everything. I mean, they go into Brian Singer. They talk about how he became the one. They go into like basically every pocket of Hollywood that has this stuff going on they talk about the little orbit of each pocket and all the people
1: I wish Hollywood didn't start stop at Harvey
0: that's what I'm saying at this point I'm like fuck Harvey he's rotting away like we're done with Harvey there are so many and then they're like well all done back to the Oscars you know what I mean it's like are you kidding
1: Meanwhile, people like Brian Singer and Chris Stokes are still out there managing people.
0: Managing kids. Yeah. Brian Singer's boyfriends are still doing fucking articles about dating him, like, last year. But I do hope that you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope that it empowered you to go do research and look these people up. They're very public, like, you know, you don't have to be an internet sleuth like us to find things about these people. They're, it's very easy to find it, so...
1: I know. Thank you guys for listening. I know it was a tough one.
0: Next week, we'll, we'll make it more fun.
1: Can <laughs> we just tell them who we're covering next week to make yeah. them, like, feel better?
0: Yes, tell them.
1: So we're going to do Nina Dubrev next week, finally. It's going to be good. So it'll be much different than this one.
0: Back to basics. <laughs> back, to,
1: back to basics. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, subscribing to the Patreon. Um, and yeah, I mean... Our intro song does not match the
0: content. No, no. Yeah, it's like it's like. <laughs> you guys don't be rotted. Bye.